Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians. And you're going to turn all the way to the end of Ephesians, chapter 6, as today we're reading Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. And as we open these words of Scripture, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you do help us. We ask that you open our minds by the power of your Spirit to understand and receive your word. So Lord, be with us as we read, as we study, as we come to new understandings, as we pursue you with passion. Lord, be present in your grace and in your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Well, that's it. That's Ephesians, every word. We read every word together as a church, every verse this summer. Of course, last week we left the easy stuff to to Katie and John. (laughs) They did a wonderful job with a difficult passage. And this week, we talk about the battle. Here's a quick test, fill in the blank. Never bring a knife to a game show. That's right. (laughs) 
Now, gunfight. Never bring a knife to gunfight. See, that's good. See, you knew it. We've still got some Colorado frontiersman spirit in us, in us yet. You know, I, we, we know what to what to bring. I don't know. Would a Texan know what to bring? I'm not sure. I think they would. I think they might drive their big pickup truck right through the middle of the. Would a Californian know what to bring? They might bring something else, like an avocado or some white wine. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at Dr. Stevens for that one. We know what to bring. Look, I hope you never need to know what to bring to a gunfight, you know, and we pray for those who actually do need to know. And as we're praying for Chim, Chim Duzel and his continued recovery in the hospital, an officer of our uh, CSPD who was shot in the line of duty last week. But listen, Scripture says we're in a battle. Not a battle of, of flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. You're, you're in a battle. Do you know it? The worst possible position to be in is to find yourself in a battle and not be aware that you are in a battle. Are you aware of, of the combat that is around you? Do you know the battle is on? Are you aware of forces amassed against you, against your family? I sometimes joke that pastoring feels at times like leading a cruise ship into battleship waters. <laughs> Do we know? Do you know that the battle is on? The battle is raging. But friends, this is a battle, and the battle we are in is a battle we can win. Finally, verse 10, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. To sum it all up, to finish the matter, to, to after all that has been said, to come to the end of this letter, this greeting that, to the church in Ephesus, from all that we've learned, all that we've explored, it comes down to this. Be strong in the Lord. God who is strong wants you to live in his strength in the strength of his mighty power. Do you ever feel outmatched for the battle you're in? Do you ever wonder if you've got enough strength to keep going? God who is strong wants you to walk in his strength. People will say sometimes, you'll hear them say, God never gives you more than you can handle. That is not in the Bible. And it isn't true. In this life, you will regularly face much more than you can possibly handle. But you're not doing it alone. Amen? You're not doing it alone. You're doing it in the strength of the Lord. And he will provide the strength that you need. Not strength for the whole war. Not strength for your whole life. Strength for the battle. Strength for the day. If you walk in him. The battle we are in is a battle we can win. It's a spiritual battle. Look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's why I asked, do you know that you're in a battle? Because the forces amassed against you are invisible forces. 
And sometimes you don't recognize that, that the things that are coming into your life, you don't see them because they're not walking towards you in flesh and blood, but they're pushing against you in powerful ways. And this verse says, yes, we've got struggles that are here in this world. We struggle against rulers and authorities and, and power structures, just forces in this world that push us away from Jesus. Think about this now. In this world, there is a, a desire to, to kill and take, to win by power. Cain killed his brother Abel and spilled his blood in the soil, and that's how he, he thought to begin civilization. The legend of the founding of Rome was Romulus slaying his brother Remus and spilling his brother's blood on the soil. That's how he thought that he should build civilization. We live in a kill and take power world. But Jesus, he spilled his own blood to build the city of God. I'm just saying this quickly. You're going to have to think about it on your own. How do we live in Christ's way, knowing that, that to win is to follow Jesus and not get subsumed and carried away by the forces of this world that think it's a, it's a kill and take world? It's a push. It's a push down and step on world. No, it isn't. It's a lift up and love world. The, we, we struggle with forces that push us in this world. But then there's another struggle. It says, and, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We struggle against the, the patterns of this world to stand as, as a Christian in a, a world that pushes us away from Jesus, but we also struggle against spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, in invisible places where angels and demons are in constant combat with one another over your soul. I know that might weird some of you out this morning to think about that. But listen, there is so much more to life than what's on the physical plane, than what's on the material plane. There is a spiritual realm where much of the battle is being waged, where most of the battle is being waged. It's being waged at a spiritual level. Shakespeare had his character Hamlet say to his friend Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And the more we walk along with a materialist, naturalistic philosophy, the, the less we are engaged in understanding about spiritual things. But there's a lot more to life than flesh and blood. And spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Have you ever found yourself in a relation, in a, a conversation trying to explain to someone your, your personal relationship with Christ and, and they just don't get it, they just don't understand it? You know, to them, you're, you're kind of nuts. You might as well be talking about your invisible friend that, that rides with you in your car or something. I mean, they just don't get it because they're not open to spiritual things. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. But if you're open to the Spirit, then you can understand. Paul wrote in another letter, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
But if you do accept the existence of a spiritual realm, if you, even if you're just searching here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you don't know much about Christianity, but you accept the, the existence of a spiritual realm, well, then maybe there's some openness there to understand that there's more to life than flesh and blood. And my question to you is this. If you accept the existence of a spiritual plane that impacts who you are in your life and your future and how you experience things, if you accept that that exists, who would you like to guide you through that realm? Who would you like to count on to be your, your, your guide, your general? I suggest Jesus Christ. I suggest you turn to the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, who says, I will make you my friend and I will stand and fight for you. Because you enter a fight a little bit differently when you've got that much strength right behind you, don't you? The battle we are in is a battle we can win. Only be strong in the Lord and take up the armor of God. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to what? Stand. It says not if the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, you can stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Truth, the the buckle of truth. Truth is a belt. You buckle it up. Have you ever caught yourself, uh, men, maybe women, you've had this experience, but I sure have, where you put on a, a suit that you, and, uh, and the pants are a little loose and you forget to wear your belt? It takes a lot of energy and constant concentration, you know, to keep from suddenly feeling a little exposed. Truth is the belt. You buckle that up first. And it holds everything together. Listen, the only real power the evil one has is deception. He traffics in lies, but we live in truth. The breastplate is righteousness. It it protects the heart. See, righteousness protects the heart. Your heart is vulnerable when you're accused of your sins, when you think that, that maybe, you know, you're not, a, you're not worthy, you're, you're not valuable. Your, your heart is vulnerable, but we have a righteousness, not our own, purchased for us by Jesus Christ, and it protects your heart. Righteousness is the breastplate. The accuser cannot penetrate to the heart any longer. Carry along with me. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of feet of peace. Our boots are ready to share the gospel of, of Christ. We're leaning forward on our toes. Our feet are ready. They're poised to move toward any and all who need to know the good news of what God has done through his son Jesus to redeem us and restore us to eternal relationship with him. The gospel of peace we're ready to move toward. We're ready to step. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When the accuser comes at you and slips into your consciousness, rest 
on faith in Christ. Martin Luther said, So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And where he is, there I shall be also. Shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation, verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet, friends, the helmet protects the head. The head is where all the knowledge is. I mean, before you kept it all on your phone, you kept it in your head. (laughs) Do you have the helmet of salvation where the knowledge is? Do you know what God has done to save your soul? Can you articulate what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, to bring you salvation? Do you understand? It's a helmet. The helmet of salvation is the knowledge of your salvation in Christ. The sword. The sword is the word of God, the Bible. It should be as comfortable in your hand as a glove. All right, how many of you did sword drills when you were a kid? Raise your hand. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You'll just have to ask. If you don't know what that means, you'll just have to ask someone whose hand you saw go up. This, this word of God, it should be right on our side, ready to defend us. All of these things, as is often pointed out, are worn where? They're worn on the front of the body. They will do you no good if you turn and run scared. There's nothing back there. But if you will stand, if you will stand firm, then all of these gifts are there for you. The battle we are in is a battle we can win. But friends, we don't do it alone. We've been moving from me to we. And once again, everything that you're looking at here, it actually isn't primarily focused on the individual believer, but on the church. Altogether, it's plural. It's collective. I can't emphasize this enough. It is such an important shift in mindset. Don't attempt to run out on the battlefield alone. We do it together. We, all together as a church, take up the belt of truth and wear the breastplate of righteousness. We as a church, we have the ready gospel boots on and we carry the shield of faith. As a church, as a body of Christ, we we have these shields. It might be your buddy's shield that is there to defend you today. Or you might wake up and think, I don't think I need to go to church because I can just, I don't think I need my shield on today. It might be your shield that your friend needs to protect you. We do it together, you see. We stand together as the body of Christ. It's the church that does these things. Do you feel the difference? The church is the focus. We're so stuck in the consumer mindset. It's all about me. Don't come to church as a consumer any longer. Friends, you are not in the stands. You are the players on the field. 
You are not the, the rally team. You are the team. You are, you are the ones in the arena. The church is not put in the service of the individual. We think, what, what will my church do for me? Oh, the church is not put in the service of the individual. Although the individual will be well served to be a part of a church, the individual is put in the service of the church and its mission. Ask not what First Pres can do for you. <laughs> you follow? And by the way, the church itself, it isn't the end game. The church is put in the service of Jesus Christ its head for his mission. As is often said, God doesn't have a mission for the church. He has a church for his mission. Do you follow? We're in the service of Christ, his church, his bride. We're serving Christ, our head, on his mission. We are in the service of the church. The church is in the service of God. And together we are on our way to serve the Lord our God together. Finally, it all hinges on prayer. Look at verses 18 to 20. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When should I pray? What's a good time to pray? All the time. On all occasions. How should I pray? What sort of... Every way you can think of praying. In all occasions, in all times, with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of requests, with this in mind. With what in mind? With it in mind that you're in a battle. He says, with this in mind, be alert. See, we're in battleship waters. Do you know how to take your place in, in the battleship waters? Be alert, always keeping on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. The battle we are in will rise or fall on prayer. So what are you praying for? A large study was conducted uh, some churches years ago of churches that were dying. And one key distinction came out of, of their study, and it was a distinction between what the churches were praying for. See, some churches pray to defend what they've got, to keep the lights on. But other churches, they were praying to spend all that they have to the glory of Jesus, to be a light for their city, for Christ. Some churches died, some churches thrived. Do you see that? What are you praying for? Are you praying for all the Lord's people with all kinds of prayers and requests in all occasions? Are you praying for your church? And then Paul says, would you pray also for me? He says, would you pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Then he repeats it again. Would you please pray for me that I may declare it fearlessly? That's a little vulnerability there from Paul. A little vulnerability from the preacher. It's a fearful thing to speak of Jesus. It's a difficult thing to keep sharing the light and life of Christ in a hostile world. To proclaim the way of Christ and his love over the way of, of Cain. Do you pray for your pastor? 
Do you pray for, thank you, amen. Do you, do you pray for all your pastors? Do you pray for your youth leaders? Do you pray for your teachers that they can speak the truth of the gospel in a world that doesn't want to hear it? The battle we are in is a battle we can win and it rises and falls on prayer. So I'm asking, no, I'm, I'm begging you. Will you pray for this church and for its gospel ministry? That we would have a thriving and effective gospel ministry here in the heart of downtown Colorado Springs, not just for 146 years in the past, but for as many years as the Lord gives us to bring glory to his name, Jesus Christ. Will you pray? I'm begging you to pray for this church and its ministry. Amen. Because let me tell you something, uh, speak from the heart. Uh, this summer, our worship numbers are flat. In fact, uh, overall, as we look at the summer, we've had fewer bodies in church to worship together than we had last summer. Not a lot, not a lot fewer, but fewer. And that's not the direction we want to go. So I want to ask you, what are you praying for? If you experience something worth experiencing when you gather here, you need to share that with somebody. We come together and we drink these deep, satisfying drafts of the love and mercy of Jesus. And in the meantime, we have neighbors and friends and relatives who have never tasted a drop of the grace of Jesus Christ on their lips. If you're experiencing the love of God here, you need to share that with someone. Are you praying for the church to be an effective gospel ministry? Are you praying for the preaching and the preachers to have God's anointing? You know, God decides the effectiveness of the message in a church. When, you know, when I arrived here at First Pres, I had this picture, I'll confess, I had this picture of, of Shel Silverstein's giving tree. Did anybody ever read that, that book? And there was a feeling like, well, you can have my apples, take my leaves, take my branches, take my wood, you know, and, and it feels very noble for a minute, but after a while... Listen, we've got to pray for some new growth, right? We've got to pray for the next chapter. We've got to pray for the green shoots that are going to bring the fruit for the future. We had better pray for the effectiveness of this church and the Lord's continuing mission to this city. Next week is our big fall kickoff. Everything starts again. We do this big push. Uh, you know, everything begins. Over the last year, we've hired our pastor of family ministries, Tom Pipkin. We've added Heather Houston for middle school ministry, Nathan Richards for high school ministry, Bethany Hansen and Candace Ware have stepped up into children's ministry. Pray that we are more effective than ever at reaching our students and children for Christ. Vacation Bible School has tripled in the last three years. That's wonderful. It needs to triple again. We need to be as effective as we can. This summer, we added Andy Morrison to our staff in partnership with Young Life College Ministry to reach our college students. Pray that we have a more effective college ministry in our future than we have ever had, as there are more and more college students in our city than there have ever been. Just last week, we hired Floyd Seabold to lead us in establishing the First Pres Fellows Program. One year from now, we will begin hosting a dozen interns each year right out of college every year to help them to walk into their vocations with confidence that they are working as for the Lord.
Pray for that. We are soon changing our brand and our logo to change the conversation that people have about us when they're community members looking in at First Pres from the outside. And our communication staff and our administrative staff, they are running, they're working their fingers to the bone trying to work on those conversations. Pray that our city and our world will know that the gospel we proclaim is good news for them. Pray that for Chris Collins and Jim DeJarnette, as they are faithfully producing the most inspiring worship experiences you could imagine with growing teams of, of gifted, created music staff like Scott Barber and Rod Gorby and Brandon Stroy, and pray that our time in worship is the most powerful spiritual experience of the week. Do you pray for that? Katie Fowler moved this year into her new role as pastor of discipleship and has led the way in an enormous, momentous expansion of development of life groups, all launching next week. Pray for little First Pres pockets all around our city, little pockets of devotion to Christ and faithfulness to the glory of his name. Will you pray for the gospel ministry of this church? Friends, we are too often trying to win spiritual battles in earthly ways when we should be winning earthly battles in spiritual ways. The battle will be won or lost in prayer. But the battle we are in is a battle we can win. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. And He has already secured the victory. Jesus didn't take the sword and push others over and spill blood to build his city. Jesus allowed the sins of all the world to come onto his own flesh and blood, to come onto his body, and he carried them once and for all. On the cross, he shed his own blood. And when he rose again from the dead on Easter morning, victory was secured. Sin and death no longer have any claim on anyone who will seek the name of Jesus Christ. And the flaming arrows of the deceiver cannot penetrate your heart. You are safe and secure and claimed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing can defeat him. He has already overcome the most vicious adversary. Death has been defeated. And there's no power to prevail against Jesus Christ. The victory is secure. And you and I, we walk through the battle day by day, faithfully, in the confidence that he has already won. The battle we wage is a battle often of lies and deceit, of confusion. Speak with the clarity of the truth. Put on the breastplate. Protect your heart. You're saved. You're, you're, in, you're in the Lord. Carry the, the word of faith. Share the gospel of peace. Understand your salvation. Have the helmet of salvation. Walk forward. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. God who is strong wants you to walk in his street, in his strength. And the battle we are in is a battle we can win in Christ because he has already won the victory. Lord, we thank you this morning for the call to shift from, from me to we. We thank you that you've called us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and Lord, we thank you that we are victorious in you.
We love you, Lord. We'll follow you anywhere. Guide and direct us to your glory. In Jesus' name. And the people said together, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.